And we're back with Cinema Cemetery. I'm Kate. I'm Dan. And we're here with 1955's Best Picture, Marty, starring Ernest Borgnine and Betsy Blair. We Dan, are, what's... what? We're halfway through the 50s, Kate, and it's our <laughs> last black and white movie for, well, a little bit. And then it's really only our, our, our third, fourth to last black and white movie ever. It's going to be weird moving out of this era. Well, I agree, but also I think this is a great one to jump off from because I just enjoyed it so much. How about you, Dan? Marty's an interesting movie. It occurs in the middle of uh, a, a run of these epic-type movies. We've had On the Waterfront not terribly long, but epic in, in nature. We've had... Uh, We've had The Greatest Show on Earth, epic in scale. We have Around the World in 80 Days, and then Ben-Hur still to come a little bit further down the road. And now, right in the middle of all that, we've got this little 90-minute black-and-white story uh, that really could could easily have been a play and originally was a teleplay, a little uh, made-for-TV program that was put together by a, a television playhouse. So, yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. quite a quite a change compared to our usual routine. I agree. Um, Another interesting fact that I thought was cool here is that it is only one of three films to win both Academy Award and the Pine d'Or. Yeah, it's the the prize that they give out. Is it Cannes or Canes? I never know. Uh, The film festival, right? Uh, Yeah. Usually a a prediction for some of the movies to be nominated. But yeah, one, one of only a few. And I and what I thought was interesting, it was Marty, The Lost Weekend, and Parasite. And as I was watching Marty, I thought the way it was and kind of the quietness and the really narrow scope of the story, it reminded me of The Lost Weekend in some really nice ways. I haven't seen Parasite because I'm waiting till we get there. Oh, yes. Well, Parasite, of course, was, was a big international hit and then became the first international type movie to win. Uh, best act, uh, best picture. So that that makes sense. I'm surprised the last weekend uh, won both, but uh, that's I'm cool. not. I, well, no, I'm I just of, of if you look at, I just looked at the list of both, and they're almost all <laughs> foreign films. And so it's just uh, it's an interesting choice that the, they would hop on with that one. Um, yeah. There were a few. Other, I think the Tree of Life won uh, as well. 2012, very artsy and. And uh, so, so that made a little more sense to me. But yeah, so this this won some international acclaim, despite being a rather low key movie. It uh, had a pretty small budget, especially for the time, three hundred fifty thousand, and did about three million uh, in its box office, which is about a ten times uh, turnaround. Yeah, well, you figure if it if it had gathered an audience in 1953 when the teleplay happened, you know that people are going to want to go see the movie version. So I'm sure that helped with ticket sales. Maybe I I don't know. I if they did a movie version of I don't know if they did a movie version of any TV <laughs> thing. Would I would I want to go see it? Like I if they did a movie version of the Michael Jordan documentary that just came out, would I? Would I go watch it in theaters? Uh, I don't know. I don't when know. they did the Downton Abbey version of the movie, I wanted to go, and I missed the window, and I was very sad. You didn't go? No, but I did go when they did Sherlock. When they did the movie version of Sherlock, and they released it in theaters, I was there hmm. at, like, midnight. So okay. I did do that. Makes and sense. so did the entire theater. So, Marty, 
I don't really know. There's not much to talk about when it comes to it. We'll give a, a little bit of a synopsis here. Uh, Marty is about a guy named Marty, right? And Marty is <laughs> Marty's played by Very Ernest Borgnine. We figured out who he was this time. Uh, pretty small cast. You've got Marty. He's 34 years old, which is a lot older back then than it is today. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be 33 uh, shortly, and so is Kate. And Even sooner. I don't think I'm going to look quite like him next year. Uh, he, he looks at least 40, 45, yeah, he, maybe 50 by modern standards. Marty looks a little rough. I think it's just the clothing styles. But Marty... But even like the moms that were 50 in the movie looked like they were easily 70. So I don't know. I guess time... Yes, the style of the 50-year-old mothers looked very similar to the 80, 90-year-old great-grandmothers I had growing up. It was like that, that style gets locked in and carried with them the rest of their lives they said this is it i'm sticking with this well hopefully when i'm 80 i'm wearing joggers and a tank top like i am right now i, I bet that's gonna be the thing yeah uh, people are gonna have, you're gonna have old women with uh with longer straighter hair uh at that point that's gonna be the sign yeah so marty lives with his mother uh marty has many siblings and uh they have all all i believe gotten married at this point and marty's getting he the- tells us right there in the beginning yeah, they, they basically look at the camera and explain uh, what's going on. And, and Marty is getting a lot of flack from the community and his mother. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves not being married. And, and well, I, why I don't think, you I, go find a wife? <laughs> I think, too, it's important to mention this isn't just about Marty that's the star here. I think the community is the star. So he's an Italian-American butcher living and growing up in the Bronx. His whole family is that close-knit Catholic Italian family in New York, which is a a noticeable stereotype of culture. And so when the whole community is coming at him, these old Italian women with accents saying, Marty, why don't you get married? Like, I think it's more than just, like, the community is a character, no? Yes. When I watched this part of the movie at the beginning... uh, of course, social pressure to get married if, is a thing, and we hear all about how it used to be even stronger, and if you didn't get married by 25 or 30, you were a bachelor or an old maid, and that's how it looks in the movies. I'm curious how true that was. I'm curious if, if this is the way like it was supposed to be shown, or if this is an overdramatic version, and no, actually, there's plenty of people that, that weren't married back then. I don't know. I don't know. I will say my grandma... So she was born in 1930 and she would always say growing up that she didn't get married until she was 23 and people were like on her cause she was an old maid cause she worked like she worked and helped support her family at the telephone company or something. And so she's like, they were so worried cause I got married at 23 and I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. That's the way it looks in media. And this, this doesn't break any stereotypes at all, but I always wonder if there was plenty of space for that. So uh, there's really not all that much of a plot. The entire movie takes place in the course of basically a 24-hour time frame, right? It begins... Yeah, it's very quick. Begins on a Saturday night. It's like 6 o'clock. Marty's getting off work. He and his friend are trying to figure out what to do, and it takes place over a very long night and then a little bit into the next day leading up to that night. So we've had the lost weekend. This is the, the... lost or the found, found day weekend. found day right it's just <laughs> it's just one one evening a lot happens uh, and yet and yet not a lot happens it's it's not a terribly convoluted story like uh like the hangover or something where they're 
going on all kind of adventures. Um, but Marty, Marty is convinced and, and pushed. He's going to go to the Stardust Lounge with his friend Angie, which is a man's name, I suppose. We've had Ashley. And. And. Calls him Angie at one point. Ash, Ashley wasn't gone with the wind. Now we've got Angie here. And they go to the Stardust Ballroom, and uh, Marty's striking out again. And then suddenly he stumbles across uh, Clara, uh, a lady who's been ditched. By her date, played by Betsy Blair, the we didn't realize this, the the wife then, the of, then wife, then wife of Gene Kelly. She got married to Gene Kelly very young, and was married to him for sixteen years. And this is during that time frame. She also didn't get the she she only got the part because Gene Kelly like pitched a fit and threatened to revoke some other project he was doing unless they cast her. So way to stand by your lady, Gene. Yeah, and she plays this part well. I it's hard. I didn't know if she was intentionally supposed. She looked fine. I don't know. Everybody at the in the movies talking about how how terrible she is, and she's a dog, and nobody would like her, and it it she was strange. Fine. Looked, like, yeah, it was it was it was, was odd. It was fine. like she she doesn't look that bad. Even Ernest Borgnine, he's <laughs> he's a little bit bigger of a guy, but he, and he keeps referring to himself as the fat man. Like yeah. he even like called this girl to ask her out. And was like I'm the heavy set guy, the chubby one. You're like, buddy. He's a, he's a little bit, but he, he didn't look any better or worse than... Uh, Anyone the, else. Well, the, the actor that plays Sarge in Gomer Pyle is a, an un, uncredited role. Uh, Frank Sutton is in this movie, and I wouldn't say he looks better or worse than, than Marty at all. And yet he's getting a date with two nurses uh, right? at the same time. Yeah, so it's... Uh, it, Wait, you know who else has an uncredited role in this? No, it was uncredited. Jerry Orbrock. This was his first film. Really? He, yeah, he was He was just one of the guys at the Stardust. Oh, okay. Yeah, How about that? We missed people. him. We have to go back and look. Gotta check it out. I know, uh, yeah, I know one of the movies we have coming up, Anthony Hopkins is in it, like hiding in the background. So well, I'm curious, I, curious to find that one. Although his first big role is The Lion in Winter, which we should watch. Yes, yes. <laughs> Actually, anyway. yes, that... that that's a whole other story. Uh, anyway, but go ahead. You yeah, can go. Yeah, so, uh, so that's pretty much it. Marty meets this girl. They they have a nice evening. It go, the people don't fall asleep in this movie. They, they Oh, my s- gosh. They're out, man. They're out late. I thought, yeah, I thought it was late for me. Oh, the crickets have arrived. I'm recording this right by an open window. I, <laughs> Close the window. I don't know. <laughs> I was, you know, you talk about today that people, uh, people maybe to stay up later than they used to or it used to be calmer back then but yeah regular saturday night they're up till till midnight or one or two and three three yeah i mean it was it was like barely one o'clock and Ange was like let's Four? keep going yeah five and then they had to get up for saturday 10 o'clock mass the next or is it no this is sunday, sunday. so it's sunday, saturday 10 night o'clock into mass. sunday we're not you're not yeah yes. you're non-catholic over there so that's pretty much <laughs> the the main plot there's a b plot going on in the background if you want to give us a summary of that so one. the b plot and that focuses a little bit more on the italian american side so you know in the early part of the movie uh marty's cousin tommy and his wife come over to talk to marty's mom because um Marty's mom's sister, Katarina, lives with the couple, and it is just not going well. This poor woman is living with her mother-in-law, and they are just fighting up a storm, and it's a mess. And so Tommy and his wife, they come, they say, can you please ask mom to come live with you, because we just can't live with her anymore. And so the two sisters, so Marty's mom is supposed to come over 
and act like it's this like invitation because she's lonely. And so shoes the couple out and you think it's going to be this like, oh, why don't you come live with me? I'm lonely. Wrong. The sisters serve up some truth bombs and Barney's mom is like, you're old. No one wants you here. Just come live with me. And that was like a really fun conversation to watch two old women kind of come to grips with their age and realize that they don't necessarily know what it is they are going to do with their lives because their lives have always been their kids and their families. So that's the other the other plot. And there's a bunch of projection going around with that. And that plays out in a couple of different other instances. Um, but I thought in all those instances, it was a very real honest like depiction of crap that goes on in families yeah and yeah i i really enjoyed the scene where the the cousin's wife uh tries to tell her hey why don't you diplomatically say that it's your idea let's 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 let her down easy <laughs> and then marty's mom says hey you're an old lady living in this house come live you know she just throws <laughs> yeah, her like under you, the bus and yeah. jumps right to it she has nothing to do with this you have no business being here and dives right in <laughs> these are two like presumably immigrant women that came from italy to live in new york and raise their families in america and so it's a culture change for them, right? They're used to the mom would be living with their kids, but they're in America now and a generational clash and it's got all the stuffs. I don't know anything about these women that play these old Italian women. Their accents seemed very Americanized though. So they they must have spent a great deal of, of, of their lives in the United States because um, I, I had a, a relative that was a similar age and, and she had a much stronger accent her entire life so it was uh they yeah either and either they were really... americans doing an italian accent or they just were supposed to be italians that arrived uh much much younger than, yeah and i others. can't really find anything on them yeah they don't even have they have their name uh on, on wikipedia and imdb but that's about it not uh, yeah not a lot there no so, so so these stories um I, they they sort of exist concurrently without really any connection until the final 15 minutes of the movie. And this is where this starts to feel very television-like, right? You've got the A plot and the B plot, and then you're going to need some way for them to come together and then resolve, right, real quick. And that's that's what we see happen. Marty, is he wakes up the next day, he's going to call this girl again, and suddenly he starts getting dunked on by everybody in his Everybody life. has an opinion on his life. The first part of the movie, all they wanted him to do was get married. He finally finds some girl that he really wants to try and make something with, and all they got are judgments. Right. His friends don't want him to get married because they don't want to lose fun Marty, and they start talking about how uh, this girl is a dog and you shouldn't call her, and uh, his friend Ange is upset that he, he lost his, his buddy yesterday. He, he couldn't find him, right? He wasted his Saturday mm -hmm. night, so you shouldn't get married. And then we have a series of unfortunate, really bad timing events with uh, his mother and his aunt. Right. His his aunt says, uh, "Hey, if if Marty uh, gets married, he's going to tell you oh, to sell the house." I and Marty about walks in that. and goes, "Mom, I think we should sell the house." Because uh, like a piece of plaster literally like fell on the counter, and he was like, "This house is falling apart. We should sell it and get a nicer like apartment in a nicer part of town." And uh, the sisters just look at each other and like mom freaks out internally. And with five minutes left in the movie, Marty decides he's not going to call the girl at 2.30 p.m. after all. 
And then three minutes later, later on in the evening, he decides, I'm going to. Yeah. To me, this movie had two really big scenes, uh, or the impactful scenes, the ones that I'm sure stick with people. It's Marty's little monologue at the beginning of the movie. His mom says, why don't you go out? And he says, no, I've been through that too much. I'm a fat, ugly man. I've been through too much heartache. I'm not doing it anymore. Uh, and then you have the reverse of it at the end. Uh, his, his, he says to his friends, you don't like her. My mom don't like her. She's a dog. I'm a fat, ugly man. Well, I had a good time last night, and I'm going to have a good time tonight. If I have enough good times, I'm going to get down on my knees and beg her to marry me. Right? That's the That takes us to that the end. That was a good memory you had, Dan. Well, it's easy when you have it in front of you. <laughs> right. I got a date to a party. You don't like her. That's too bad. He walks in. He calls. Hello, Clara. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. it's. I was saying, too, you know, because of the Italian-American plot and the Bronx and New York and finding love later in life, I said, this is like the boy version of Moonstruck. And Dan said? I've never seen Moonstruck. I know it's a thing. I know it's a big deal. <laughs> I really, I don't know. It was, I found it to be charming. I really enjoyed this. This does compare well to the last weekend. The last weekend might be higher because it's a little bit more important, right? It's about uh, alcoholism. This one is just a, a well-crafted, uh, tightly cut movie. Tells a small, simple story about a couple of characters. Sometimes that's all you want. Uh, yeah. I don't know that there's that big of a theme here, except that I said, what is it, ugly people or people too? But no, it's, it's, it's not. Right. But, that's, it's that's not. It. but no, that's not what this movie's actually trying no, to say. No, I think it's about, you know, being able to stand up and strike out on your own when you feel it's time. And, you know, listening to your, your, inner, your inner self, Dan. When you know something is right for you, it's right for you. But what I mean is, I don't even think it's about that. I think it's just a story about some people. Like, I don't even think it's... Trying to supposed make, to be about that I, I just gleaned it no i think if you get that that's great i don't think it's meant to be making a statement about anything it and and that's okay that's okay right it's just this is a story about some people and <laughs> we are here to show it to you and and now it is over uh oh go ahead that's it oh i was gonna say i think some really sweet moments ernest borgnine is just an adorable little man well i guess he's not little because he describes himself as big but he does such a wonderful job at the little moments of the build-up of excitement like when he just kind of like you could see the excitement bubble up and he got so excited he just slapped the street sign and like danced away you could feel his excitement and it was infectious i think that was the word i wanted to use oh right it's what it was it was i was worried it would be a little odd seeing him in this uh, uh empathetic and friendly right role after, after he murdered frank sinatra the villain in in frank sinatra but he's uh, <laughs> no he works just well and i know he's the lead in mikhail's navy i'm sure that's what most people a little older than us know him from uh but i i've only seen an episode uh, or, or two there so I can't speak too much to that. And was he in, he, I think he was in one other thing that we saw, but I, I can't think of it offhand in, in this uh, stretch here. I'll have to look. Dan, guess who produced this? I don't know. The Chin, Burt Lancaster. Oh, okay. I think that's why he was in a... Oh, you're like, oh, I didn't know. And Harold Hecht. 
It was Hecht Lancaster Production Company. Okay. That okay. Produced this. In case you were wondering, I did my homework. When I went, no, I, I when I went to press play on iTunes, there's like a, a trailer and and Burt Lancaster's faces on there, and he's oh, like not well in, then... he's not in the trailer, but it was just and I, I was, was confused. That so, might this, be it. This makes sense. Yeah, I'm like trying to look up Burt Lancaster's film film stuff to see, but it's there's nothing really popping out. Yeah, yeah, that we would have seen yet. This movie did win a number of uh, Oscars, similar to last week. It came just shy of the Grand Slam. It got the picture, it got the director, it has Best Actor and Best Screenplay. Uh, did not win Best Actress because it wasn't nominated. And Betsy Blair, while she won, she was nominated for Supporting Actress, she uh, did not win that year. So another another close, but not quite for the Grand Slam. We're going to have to wait another 20 years until we get to another one of those. But what this does show is some consensus. This was not a a uh, snub as we have seen come and go. This was mm. this was the movie of the year. It it got the big ones. And I think rightfully so. I don't think anyone walked out of Marty and didn't feel I would say something, whether it was a renewed sense of spirit or just kind of you enjoyed your time, which is usually the baseline is, did I enjoy my time? And I did with Marty. Yeah, this movie's tough to, I, I liked it a lot, and I would recommend it to anyone that is into a movie uh, from this time period. Of course, if you don't like black and white movies or, or older movies, that might be a barrier for you. But if you're into those at all, you should check it out. It's short. It's easy to watch. You can see it in an afternoon and, and be about your life. Uh, I don't know that it's terribly important. It's not terribly epic. Uh, so I don't know if that affects my ranking of it, but as far as rewatchability, it, it was just as interesting as it was 10 years ago the first time I saw it. Well, that's hopeful because I, I, I would like to rewatch it. And, and with that is always in the back of my mind kind of comparing where would I put it on our list. And in my mind and heart, I would put it near you can't take it with you because I would certainly watch Marty again. Yeah, you can't take it with you, number 35 on our list, and uh, mm -hmm. somewhere around there. I, I I would put it below you can't take it with you, and I'll tell you why, because you can't take it with you is better written, and there was more kind of going on there. I think there were, I don't know, it just felt like it was a more complex thing. Yeah, Yes, you can't take it with you is an actual play converted. This was a teleplay converted, and you saw some of that TV budget uh considerations uh, shine through that, that that came from that now looking at our list we had you can't take it with you at 35 and mrs miniver at 36 now, yeah. does this uh, bump mrs miniver or does this land at 37 or 8 could we bump you can't take it with you to 34 and put marty at 35 oh yeah we can do that. i'm not ready to dip mrs miniver and i do think marty i think marty is historically significant because i think it gives us this nice neat shot snapshot of a time in the 50s looking at a very like looking at an italian american family i think is a very one quintessential characteristic of America at that time. And I think that's worth preserving. Yes. Looking ahead, there are not many movies like this for a while. We're about to get into 
a number of spectacle films or epic Spectacle? Yes. Well, movies like Ben-Hur and uh, Bridge in the River Kwai as far as epicness. And then, of course, we have a lot of musicals uh, coming down the pike, which are I'm not mad about big, big and broad there. Just so, waiting for Sound of Music. Uh, only a couple other smaller movies like Tom Jones and The Apartment, etc., uh, over the next 15 years. So, yeah, this is the last of its kind. This is something we might have seen more of in the 30s and 40s, but... Uh, a little snapshot film is what I like revised to call them. here. But, yeah, it's it's. I don't have much to say about it. I liked it. It was solid. It, <laughs> it, you know, I yeah, I think we were in agreement probably in the top third of our, our list. I, I can't put it much higher just because... You know, it's they probably filmed it in a, in a couple of weeks, and uh, I think it was something. Wait, I did look at this. It was something like it was filmed in six days or something, something outrageous for the time. And I need to, I'll find it eventually. But yeah, and then they did reshoots for three days, and that was it. Looks like they um, filmed. Oh, shot in sixteen days, and then three days of retakes. Right, yeah, and I think that's all all you need. They they could have used any sets to do it and uh, small cast, mm-hmm. so but that's yeah. that's fine. Get it, Marty Crew. There you go. This yeah. movie does, uh, re- and and this is reflected in a number of reviews. If you look at Rotten Tomatoes, I believe it has a hundred percent. A hundred percent. Which does Rotten Tomatoes is tricky because a hundred percent means a hundred percent of the reviews are positive, so it could easily mean. And there's only like thirty some reviews, though. Yeah, it could be a whole bunch of three out of four stars, and yet that's called a hundred percent when it's right. it's actually uh, not. But. But yeah, it's in no, the, I don't but think, it's in the eighty percent on the like what tomato meter or whatever. Yeah, nobody watches this and says, eh. Right. They they all say, Yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a it's is a, a short episode, but it's an episode that we can recommend you go do something. So with all the time you saved not listening to a long episode, you should go watch Marty. Yeah. <laughs> Because I agree. you're going to be grateful because coming up next, we've got some long movies to watch. Oh, that's going to be, we're going to have to craft out, carve out like a weekend, huh? Next week, we're watching uh, Around the World in 80 Days, which is not quite uh, almost three months, but it is several hours long. And in addition, this is up against some other long movies that many consider are snubs, The Ten Commandments and Giant. Uh. So I, I plan on watching all three. I know Kate has watched one recently. Uh, so we're gonna... I'm just making a face of just, I'm, I don't even know, like, dis, not disgust, just I'm not looking forward to it. It's a big, it's a big episode coming up next. Perhaps a terrible one, but it's going to have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Watch, it'll be 20 minutes because we'll be like, I hate it I today. I did not like it. We could talk about the Ten Commandments for, for the rest of the time. Oof. All right. All well, right. I'm good. That's all we got. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We're halfway through the 50s. We're we're getting into uh, the 60s and the musical decade shortly. So uh, hang in there. And I have been Dan. And I continue to be Kate. And our music and intro and outro is by Chaz Hearn. Artwork by Andre Perez. Thanks for joining us here. And we'll see you all next time. From now on, I'll go my own 